given us the opportunity to come here to lay everything aside and, and just come to your house of prayer. Father God, as we get to the scriptures this morning, we dare not do so without calling upon the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask you, Father God, that you please send your spirit for wisdom, clarity, and understanding. And as always, prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your message. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and find your way to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Today's message is entitled, uh, or titled, uh, Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh. Now, I have to tell you, um, this, this message is probably going to be a weird one for you. And you're probably used to a particular specific set of sermons and Christmas plays during Christmas time. I have to tell you, I struggle quite a bit with Christmas. I have my issues. Christmas and I don't get along too, too well. Not in a negative thing, not in a negative thing. But, you know, one of the challenges that I have with Christmas is the stewardship aspect, the, the money piece, where we get all caught up with the media somehow right after September... All the commercials begin of all the latest toys and things like that for the kids to see it, and, and it gets all riled up. And you see, that's a struggle for me because um, when you go to places like Kenya, which, which I went a couple of years ago, where their family are lucky if they're able to eat a meal a day where the parents are giving up their food for their children so that they can eat, and they're just satisfied to get a meal every other day, and that's good enough for them. When I've been to places like that, I'm getting ready to go to Puerto Rico now with some of the challenges that they're having there. Um, you put your Bible down on the system, didn't you? <laughs> can, can you push the button again? No? Yeah? <laughs> All right. Or turn this one on. We can make it happen. Hello, hello, hello. Blue. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. All right. So while they were... Hello? Hello. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, you know, go, going to Puerto Rico where, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. Our regular team is not here. Thank you. It's much appreciated. You know, I mentioned a tablet to Gary the other day. He thought I was talking about the Ten Commandments. And so, you know, it, it's, I understand. It, it's, it's, a, it's a different team. I love you, Gary. But um, so, so anyhow, it, it, it's, um, <laughs> sorry, Gary. Love you. <laughs> Don't hurt me. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> remember, God loves you. But anyhow, um, so, so, you know, going, going to Puerto Rico and, and, and going over there to help the individuals and, and see what's happening there where right now even clean water is an issue where they've been without electricity for 90 days. I mean, I, I was left without electricity for like one day here the other day and I was all upset. You know, imagine so long already, over three months and they're projecting at least a year for some of these areas. And, and so when I look at that and then I see how we spend or overspend during Christmas time, that's one of the times that, that, that my heart aches as I look at that. Uh, you know, I, ha I still have an old tube TV in my living room, 20, uh, 27 inches, and I'm dying for it to break so that I can justifiably buy a flat screen TV. But, you know, that thing won't die. 17 years praying that it will break. And talk about God answering, not answering prayers, but I cannot in a good conscience throw away and replace a very good working TV. Did you get this one going too? That's what it sounded double. Okay. So I'll turn this off. All right. And, and so anyhow, so that's one of the issues with Christmas. The stewardship piece, I struggle with that. We spend too much. We, we get into trouble with that. And then not to mention the Christmas trap. 
I like to call it a trap. You know, those of you who are single, uh, you probably know about this. Those of you who lots, have lots of children, you're the ones that are trapping people. And you know what? I'm going to turn off all of these mics because I hear myself five times. <laughs> okay. That sounds much better. All right. So, <laughs> I don't like the sound of my own voice. And five times amplified is not good. Um, Anyhow, so, so I struggle with the trap. You know, those of you who have lots of kids, you probably don't know, but you're the trapsters. For example, you know, Bill Nordren, he only has one kid, right? So imagine he wasn't, I wasn't on his Christmas list, and my kids were not on his Christmas list. And here we go, here's a gift for your one boy. He says, oh, he got three kids. Now I got to come up with three gifts to make up and get him a gift. And so somehow, you know, that it's, it's part of that. There's always that one person that wasn't on your list, and then they come through, and now you got to come through for them. And that's a challenge. That's a struggle. So the Christmas season for me is a bit challenging. And not only that, also because there's a shift focus during Christmas. I got to get the decorations just right. I got to get all of the gifts just right, all of the letters, all of the Christmas cards, all of these different things. I mean, I don't know how you keep up. I mean, Burl and Teresa, I love you ladies. You have been awesome. They send us a card to our family for every birthday, every anniversary. You know, Melanie and I forgot it was our anniversary until you guys, we got your letter in the mail. It's like, oh, that's today. Wow, thank you. I, I don't know how you keep up with all of that. It's a lot of stuff that, that, that is just very, very challenging. Not only that, also it's a very sad time for the people out there at times. You know, right now my wife, she's, she's leaving today after church to go to Orlando to spend the holidays with her cousin who just lost her baby some months back. They already had the crib, the room set up. They were planning to celebrate the first Thanksgiving and the first Christmas, and they had to rebox everything and get rid of stuff because their firstborn in the first year of marriage, they were waiting for, for the baby, and it was a stillborn. And if there's anything worse than the pain of delivery, is the pain of delivery knowing what was happening with the baby at that point. So, so imagine the feelings during this time of year when it's our first Christmas with our, with our husbands and with our, our wives and with our, our parents and, and everyone that we have lost. It's a time of pains and ache. And yet, because we could become distracted by everything else in holiday shopping and before Christmas sales and after Christmas sales, we could lose focus of what's really important. So that's why I struggle with this time of year a little bit. However, I will tell you this. Even though we know that Jesus was not born during the 25th of December, we know that for a fact. We really don't know exactly when. Some scholars have calculated when John the Baptist was conceived, and we know that six months later Jesus was conceived. So they're assuming somewhere around full term, carry the two, couple of fingers in their county, and they think it's somewhere between September and November. They think. But you see, we humans, we like to worship things and people. I remember in Clearwater some years back, there was like an image of like Virgin Mary on a glass. Somehow the, the lighting came a certain way and people came from all over to worship a piece of window that looked like that. Not only that, somebody cooked a grilled cheese and it looked like Jesus. And so it sold for thousands and thousands of dollars for grilled cheese Jesus. And so could you imagine if we knew the place that Jesus was really buried the tomb where he was at and he resurrected from, they would come and worship this empty tomb left and right. Could you imagine if we really knew when his birth was? 
And so we really don't know when Jesus was born. However, in the book Adventist Home, chapter 77, the whole chapter, we are told that this time of year is a wonderful time to share Jesus with people. See, many people would never set foot on the church except for Christmas and Easter. Like half of my family in Puerto Rico, when do you go to church? Ah, just Christmas and Easter, you know. And, and, and so, so, so it happens. And so why not share the gospel message? Why not during this time of year give comfort to those who are going through a tough time, who is the first time without their loved ones? Why not this time of year help the people out there who are in need? This is a wonderful time, and Jesus can really be the reason for the season. And Christmas could really be not Christmas unless there's Christ. You know, all of those sayings that we say, but we don't really understand them. I mean, this really can be a wonderful time to do this. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about all of those gifts that you have under your tree and the fact that you didn't get me one, okay? I just want you to understand that regardless of what you do during Christmas, don't forget Christ. Regardless of what you do during Christmas, don't forget Jesus. Regardless of the business of planning travels and, and vacations and everything that you're doing during Christmas, don't forget the people that are out there who don't get to have all that you have. Remember. Remember them. Take care of them. For I was hungry and I was thirsty and I was sick and I was in prison. And you didn't feed me. You didn't give me to drink. You did not visit me. Are we good? But also notice something. We could get really caught up in all of the gifts. And we forget what really happened during the birth of Jesus. Go with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. You should already be there because I mentioned it earlier. Beginning on verse 1. When you have it, say Amen. Look what it says. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Verse 2, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So immediately, here you have wise men recognizing that the king of the Jews was to be born. They knew that and they understood that. Why? Because from the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve had sinned, Jesus, God, gave the very first prophecy of what was going to happen to the, to the serpent. Remember? You shall bruise his heel, crush his head, all of those things, and the seed, and the woman, and enmity, and all of that. Read it. Chapter 3, verse 17. You could go on from there and, and check it out. But that was the first prophecy that even though Adam and Eve had sinned, and suddenly we were trapped by the devil, that already the plan of salvation was in place. I always give the example of children. If my children get kidnapped, the minute it happens, I'm trying to figure out what happened, who did it, where are they, what's going on, how can I help? I don't sit back and relax. Ah, I'll get to it. I'll do that with laundry, but not, 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 not with my kids being kidnapped. So immediately when the children of God sin, immediately the plan of redemption and salvation went into play. And so from there, we see many Bible prophecies that predicted the appearance of Christ. It predicted his baptism and the day and the time of his death. Very clearly, prophecy has been there throughout. And so here you have near the birth of Jesus, wise men knew that this was happening. And they go to King Herod, they saw a star, he led them there, and Herod, you know, asked the question, like, okay, you know, what, what, what's happening here? Where, where's this king of the Jews that you're talking about? Because, you know, I'm kind of king now, so if there's a new king in town, there's going to be a problem. 
So where is he from? We see that on verse 4. Verse 5, they answer Bethlehem of Judea. Verse 6, because the prophecy says, and the prophecy is quoted from there. And so then Herod, he tried to be really slick. And he tells the wise men, well, listen, why don't you go find him for me? And then let me know where he's at. So, 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 you know that, 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 that I may worship him. You know, he stuttered because he couldn't get out the lie uh, out of his mouth. And he's like, look, so, so, you know, yeah, I'll bow down and worship him. And so the wise men, look what happens when they, they leave his kingdom. They go outside, verse 10. It says that when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly. They were happy because, you see, they had seen the star. They went to Herod. Hey, where is he? We don't know, but when you find them, let me know so, 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 so that I can worship him. You know, wink, wink, fingers crossed, you know. And, and, and so what happens from there when they go outside, they see the start again, and they're excited. They rejoice. They're saying, yay, all right, we're going to go see the king. And look at verse 11, our scripture reading for today that Seth read. It says, and when they had come into the house, they saw a young child with Mary, her mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, does it say that when they came to the house, everybody exchanged gifts, and they gave gifts to everyone? What was the gift given? From whom to whom? From, I'm sorry? Ah. And the greatest gift that you can give Christ this season is your heart. Many of us love playing both sides of the field. Many of us like to keep one foot in and one foot out. Many of us, like the people spoken in Acts, have different temples for many different gods just to cover their bases. You know, and so you can't do that. You are either in or you're out. How are you partially fully committed? How does that work? It doesn't work. Either you give him your heart or you do not. And so my thing to you is I need you to recognize who Christ is in your life. Is he really, it really, is, is he really a gift from God to you? Behold, God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. He gave you his son. Won't you really receive him? This is the best thing that you could do for him in this season. You know, those gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh are very interesting. Based on historical context, theologians believe the following, that frankincense was, you know, an aromatic uh, use for sacrificial offerings. Myrrh was a perfume for ointments. And this is what they believe, that the gold presented to, to the infant king was a token of his royalty. Gold royalty, right? But his frankincense was a token of his divinity, and the myrrh, a token for his sacrifice. That they all symbolize various aspects of his life just because of the usage. And so here's my thing with Christmas. I believe really it's a wonderful time to do wonderful things. But my heart aches when you miss the point. In Sabbath school this morning, we were talking. We haven't, by the way, anybody here, uh, co collegiate, high school, college years, we're in the fellowship hall at 9.30 in the morning. Love to have you there. Come and join us. We're doing 9.30 to 10.30, but we were worshiping there this morning. We were studying, and we talked briefly about how the Pharisees and the Sadducees were so holy that they failed to recognize Jesus because he wasn't holy enough. He was doing things that just was not good enough to their standards. They were working for him, 
but, but they, they really couldn't do the things that they, that they were supposed to. And, and so they failed to recognize him. And, and you know, um, I struggle with this because one of our biggest issues, I don't think anybody here deliberately says, I want to reject Jesus. I just think we failed to really see what has happened with Jesus. Um, I grew up singing songs um, in Spanish is, uh, uh, let me see, I found the English ones. Uh, I'm, I'm a soldier of the Lord. Uh, I, I think they're, I mean, the Lord's army. So it's like, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, right? You familiar with that one? I grew up learning that in Spanish, but instead of in the army of the Lord, it's soldado soy de Jesus. I'm a soldier of God, of Jesus. And so it goes on from there, right? And sorry for hurting your ears with my singing, but the point is, is that I grew up singing that. Then when I became a teenager, we started singing, we are soldiers in the army. We had to fight, though. We had to die. We had. And so, so suddenly all these songs that are being soldiers for God, and soldiers for Jesus. I've been very proud of soldiers. Those of you who have served, I thank you so much for your services. I, and thank you for everything that you've done. But you know I have an issue with all of the soldiers in the Bible. All of them. I have huge problems with them. Because they miss what Jesus was all about. And I pray that that's not our struggle here. Have you ever missed something that you kind of sort of knew but didn't know, but then he hits you and smacks you up in the face? Melanie and I, we, we celebrated, well, we didn't celebrate it. We forgot it was until we got Teresa and Beryl Clayton's card. Uh, Twelve years of marriage a couple of weeks ago, right? And early in her marriage, a couple, of, a couple of years in, she had a death in the family, and she had to make a trip out to New Jersey. You know, you can't make last-minute trips with the whole family. So, so you make decisions, and whatever your budget allows, someone goes. And when she went there, something hit me that I kind of knew, but I never knew. You know, she, she, she went for, for about a week or so, and I was alone with the babies, and this was one of the first times. Usually she was gone for an afternoon, and that was enough. No, she was gone for days. And, and now I was outnumbered. And then something magical happened. You see, I used to take my dirty clothes and put it in this, this bin in my bathroom. And then when I would open my drawer next to my dresser, the clothes would appear folded neat and smelling so great. You know? And then I would throw in this, this little metal thing in the kitchen where there's like water and stuff like that. I would throw like dirty dishes in there and they would appear in the covers nice and clean and dry and all of that stuff. When she left for that week, I realized, good Lord, what in the world? This woman is magic. I mean, everything you put here, it appears there. You throw this here, it goes there. I mean, it's just amazing how all the stuff used to happen. And then I realized that, wow, somebody actually is doing all of these things. Like, you kind of knew somebody did the dishes and somebody did the laundry. You kind of knew that, but you don't quite realize the work that it is. Until you find yourself, you know, being outnumbered by those little ones and then having to keep up with the other stuff. And you're cooking and you're doing laundry and you're doing these things. And then you mix up the colors with the whites and the lights with the darks. And there's all these rules that you have to learn. And suddenly it's just like, wow. And so I realize that, man, I have been neglecting and not really appreciating what this woman has been doing. 
And so, yeah, she goes out from time to time. You know, she's, she's leaving today to be with her cousin and, and, and stuff like that for the next couple of days. So, so now I know, now I'm ready. But, man, I have a whole new appreciation that I learned just a couple of years into our marriage where it is like, wow, this is just amazing. And so here is the thing. Many of us, and I know you're giggling and saying, oh, silly Joey, I learned that lesson a long time ago. I get it. Some of you still haven't learned it. I, and I understand that too. I'll pray for you and I'll do marriage counseling. Remember, we can, we can talk about that. But, but this is the thing. I struggle because look what happens with some of my, my, my fellow soldiers in the scriptures. The things that they missed, the things that they didn't understand. For example, the very first thing, Matthew 2, 16, you, you're, you're seeing it right there. What happens? King Herod ordered his people, since the wise men, when they, because they were wise, when they found the Messiah, they decided, you know what, we're going to go a whole different way. We're not going to tell Herod anything because we know he's not trying to worship this king, really. So Herod gives the command to kill every child to win younger. I know you're a soldier and you do what you're told and you follow orders, but there's got to be a challenge when you hear the prophecy. Everybody knew the prophecy. We knew that this was coming. The soldiers, as they're there guarding the king, they listen to the wise men say, hey, where is the king of the Jews? What is happening? Here's the prophecy. They hear everything. They know all about it. And then Herod, out of jealousy, orders every child, two and younger, to be killed. How do you carry out such task? Not seeing that it had been prophesied over and over. And you were reminded of that prophecy just right there and then with the wise men. And yet, you go and carry out such a task. And yet, we don't hear much about those soldiers, what they did or didn't do. You have another soldier who asked in Matthew chapter 8, just a couple of chapters later, verse 5, where he asked Jesus to heal his servant who was paralyzed. And Jesus said, look, I'll go over there. He's like, no, 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 listen, I'm not worthy. He recognized, I'm not even worthy for you to enter my home. But I'm I'm in command just like you. I tell people, do this thing and do that, and they do it. So I'm sure if you can make the command, it will happen. And Jesus did. But then after that, we don't hear much about him. Did he keep working for that corrupt kingdom? Did he keep serving in that way? Was he a follower of God? We don't know that. Then you have another soldier, the one, and the soldiers, the one that witnessed Peter when he cut the soldier's ear off, when he was trying to kill him. And then Jesus went right ahead and he healed the ear, pulled it back, told him, put it down, relax, everything is okay. Isn't that transformation? I mean, I'm coming to arrest you. I'm coming to take care of you, make sure that you're put to death and whatever else. And yet you heal me, you show me love, you show me compassion. And yet we don't hear stories about those soldiers. What about when they stripped him? What about when they whipped him? What about when they put a crown of thorns on him? What about the soldiers there who just finished witnessing Jesus save a soldier's life and heal his ear? And yet nothing. What about the soldiers who afterwards decided to cast lots for Jesus' clothing? We see that in Matthew 27. What about the soldier at the end of Matthew 27 when he finally saw earth shaken by the death of Christ? He's seen many crucifixions. The Romans made it popular, and yet he said, truly, this was the Son of God. But yet we hear absolutely nothing else. What about Matthew 28 when the soldiers were paid to lie about Jesus resurrected? Jesus came out, and yet they lied. They said, oh, no, no. Some of his disciples came and stole his body in the middle of the night. How do you stay quiet in the midst of that? What about in Acts chapter 5 when they arrested the disciples? And then when they go look for them, they said, look, everything was locked up. Everything is secure. The soldiers are, uh, were standing guard. But when we opened the, the gate, it was completely empty. 
And the people were perplexed. What is going on? And then somebody else says, hey, those people you arrested, they're back in the city right there front and center preaching about Jesus. I mean, here you have people who were thrown in jail who get out of jail just to do the same thing that they were thrown in jail for. In the same town, in the same area. And yet they saw all of this and it doesn't seem to mean a whole lot for them. What about Acts chapter 9? The soldiers who saw the light and heard the voice of Jesus when they were going with Saul of Tarsus to Damascus. And yet we hear nothing about the soldiers who saw the miracle of his sight being given back to him three days later. What about that? What about the soldiers who served Cornelius, who, who, who was a, a centurion, a high-ranking officer, who witnessed the Holy Spirit pour out of, on top of them? What about Acts chapter 12? The soldiers, where it was four quads of four, 16 guards guarding him, and all of them fell asleep. Now, I don't know if you ever worked night shift or anything like that. There's always that one guy that manages to fall asleep some way, somehow, or takes extra long bathroom breaks, right? I mean, you, you know that if you ever worked it, all of them fell asleep, and they can't figure out when, what, how. And even if they fell asleep, how did they get the keys? And yet we don't hear stories about them either. Not at all. What about Paul and Silas when they were singing hymns in Acts chapter 16? Where they were singing hymns and suddenly an earthquake comes and, and the gates are flung open. And the soldier, when he noticed that it's open, is about to take his life. And Paul says, no, 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 don't do that. We're all still here. And yes, that individual was converted. But we still don't know much more after that. Did he keep working at the prison? What did he keep doing? And so on and so on. And I just gave you uh, 12 different examples. I don't know why I stopped at 12. Pastors always do 12 and 7. It must be a biblical thing. But, you know, I just gave you 12 biblical examples of events that for me would have been like, wow. And so here's the question. How much more has Jesus need to do in order for you to finally Open your eyes and see him. He really is a gift from God. We would not be here. I would not be here if it wasn't for him. You know, many people get all caught up about whether or not there is a God or this and that. I have to tell you, I have never seen people read any other book except the word of God and have their lives transformed. I never seen my friends, the ones that I grew up with in Camden, New Jersey, drug dealers, thieves, murderers, suddenly read the word of God and turn into the biggest punks ever, the biggest babies, the biggest sweethearts, the most caring, most loving individuals. You read the gospel, you learn about Christ, and transformation happens. And yet there's a world of people out there who don't know anything about this Jesus who is the reason for the season. And so my encouragement to you, church, in the midst of all of this, and I know I was all over the place. That was deliberate. It was a one-pager, and I meant to go through all of those points on purpose because I want you to understand that the prophecy of Jesus was predicted that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. If you read the rest of the story, then Herod's son also came, uh, you know, um, because of Herod, they had to go to Egypt, and there was a prophecy about him being called out of Egypt. Then from there, Herod's son tried to step up, so they had to go to Nazareth, and he shall be called a Nazarene. Suddenly, everything lined up little by little, every single piece. Over 125 Bible prophecies of Jesus, they all came true in his lifetime. 
They all came true. His death at the cross was prophesied down to the day and the time and the hour. Completely prophesied. And it happened. And guess what? The prophecy that he's coming again. We know that that's going to happen. We know that that's coming. We talked in the Sabbath school this morning briefly about Matthew 23, Matthew 24. Everything in Matthew 24 is taking place. Those of you who did the Revelation series with me in Crawfordville a couple of months ago or earlier this year here in Tallahassee, you know out of seven seals, we're between the six and the seven. Out of seven bowls, six are there. Out of seven trumpets, six have sounded over and over. We're waiting for the last thing. And Christ came as a baby. Christ died of the cross cross prophecy was fulfilled and he will come again and so my prayer is that you don't miss it my prayer is that you recognize it my prayer is that you give him your heart behold i stand at the door and knock and if you let me in i will come into your heart we'll get our grub on we'll eat together i will sup with you and you will sup with me, Revelation 3.20. He wants to enter your heart. The best gift that you can give in this season is the gift of Christ. The best gift you can give to Christ, it is your heart so that Christ can work in you and through you for the benefit of all. This time of year, unlike any other, People are stressed because of finances. People don't know how they're able to take care of their children and given the gifts that they want, how, how they can compete with other parents who are better off. You know, my kids want the same thing that the other kids get, and, and I can't do that. And they're out there getting into debt, opening all these credit cards just to get a few pennies on the dollars, 15% off, and they open 15 or 20 or 30, 50 credit cards. I don't know. I'm so confused, so many numbers. But understand that they, they just open them up. Because every time there is a sale, there is something, there's a discount, and they're getting into debt. And I have to tell you, just because you get approved from something, it doesn't mean that it's from God. I had a sister from church some, some years ago tell me, hey, you know what? You can't believe this, Pastor Joey. You know, with my credit, I didn't think I could ever get a car loan to get a car. And yeah, sure, they're charging me 72%, and my payments are $15,000 a month. But thank God that I got approved for this 1987 Mustang. Like, come on. Some things, and I don't remember the numbers exactly, but the interest rate was crazy. The car was not as great, and the payments were disgusting. That's not God. It is never the will of God for you to be in debt in, in to such an extent. But you have people out there that are suffering because of finances, because of debt. You have people out there that are suffering because it's a sad time of year. They are in dire need of a Savior. Do you know how ridiculous the rates of suicide are during the holiday season? They're just skyrocket. It's just bad. There's many people out there who are in need. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. And they don't need our judgment. And they don't need us to, to scare the Hades out of them literally. You're going to burn. No, no. They need the love of Jesus, the reason for the season. And so I want to encourage you to give your heart to Christ. I want to encourage you to let Christ into your heart so that through you, he can benefit others in this time of need where many people are looking for a real king. That is my prayer. And if it is your desire, I ask that you stand where you are. If it is your desire to give in your heart, I ask that you stand with me. Now, all of you stand. Don't do it just because other people are